Hey guys and girls, uh, I just wanted to take a second here and let you know that this is a really special episode of In Love With The Process. Uh, for the first time ever, I got to bring some sound recording equipment on a bar safari. We went on a bar safari through San Francisco last week. Uh, I was hanging out with my buds over at Puget Systems. They flew me out. We were doing some promotional work for them. Um, and of course, whenever I travel, it's time to do a bar safari. And if you've been following me on Instagram, um, or if you've hung out or you've heard my stories, I've been doing bar safaris for years now. Um, and I don't want to get too into it because it'll spoil the episode, but just prepare yourselves for a first time event here. It's going to be a super cool episode. Um, and technically I'm just going to say this. Um, I was more concerned about getting in and having a lower footprint very small footprint so that I didn't freak out the bartender uh, than I was getting perfect audio. So we just went in and recorded it as is. I think it sounds really cool, but you're listening to the actual music in the space, you hear the people in the space, um, and you hear us talking in the space itself. Um, so it isn't like this crystal clear audio, but it's still really fucking cool. It's the closest thing to if you were there with me on a bar safari. Um, so I think you guys are going to really dig it. Um, and I don't want to interrupt the flow of the show. So I'm going to start now just by doing all my sponsor reads. So bear with me, okay? First up, our boys at Puget Systems. If you're on the market right now for a brand new edit machine, or if you're looking for a new photo editing machine, a sound machine, or even a gaming machine, I highly suggest you check out PugetSystems.com because they sell really fast, affordable PCs. That's right, you no longer have to be a slave to the Apple game if you're in this industry. I cut all of my films on a Puget System PC. Everything you've seen has been cut that way. I work with industry professionals. I'm swapping drives around. I have a whole system in place. You can read about it on their website. It's really easy to use, and I love it because the machines are upgradable. Talk about being able to put in third-party hardware. Talk about not needing all these little breakout boxes and like strange little cables and all these things to start to tally up on an already pricey machine. Um, so I highly suggest if you're in the marketplace right now for a new computer, go to PugetSystems.com, check it out. You can actually buy your machine based upon the software you use. And they have like a really intuitive sort of website that you can go through or you can contact them directly and talk about what your special needs are. It's a company that is owned by real people People that pick up the phone, customer support is people that pick up the phone, um, and it's reliable. And these guys do a ton of beta testing. They test gear. And the cool thing now, the only thing that was keeping me on the Apple marketplace was that uh, Apple had their hands, they had the, the ProRes thing locked down for years. And finally, this year, Premiere is allowing you to run out ProRes on a PC. It's huge, it's perfect. Now you don't need anything else. You can just get one of these systems and be ready to rock. Next up, Rule, Rule Boston Camera. If you are a filmmaker or a DP or even a photographer, I highly suggest you do yourself a favor and make friends with your local rental house. There are a lot of options on renting online these days. Make friends with a local rental house. And if you're on the East Coast, uh, anything above New York, definitely check out Rule Boston Camera because these guys have all the newest toys, all the greatest stuff. You can actually go down into their shop, set up a time, and play with the toys. Check out the gear. They'll teach you how to use equipment. 
you can physically get your hands on the gear that they use to shoot major movies, guys. You can go in there, you do it. A lot of young professionals, a lot of young uh, filmmakers are kind of intimidated by going to a local uh, rental house because how does it work with insurance? It's very simple. Uh, the dudes that run the uh, sales or the rental department are really great guys. So you can just call them up and they'll talk you through it. They have uh, training nights. They have different seminars. They love to meet young filmmakers. So I highly suggest you go over to rule.com, check them out. And next time you need to rent something, rent local. Uh, for this simple fact, when you rent a local piece of equipment, and we all know that gear can fail, how, how finicky gear can be. If you're local, you can call these guys up on your set when your gear's failing, uh, and they'll actually send a tech out with a replacement piece of gear or walk you through it on the phone to make sure it works. But that's peace of, that's peace of mind, guys, and that's peace of mind for your clients. So if you are gonna do video productions, if you are uh, a local DP, um, I highly suggest you go to Rule Boston Camera on the East Coast. But in general, make friends with your local rental house. I'm so surprised how many people rely on these internet uh, gear providers who are good for certain things. But man, you, you, like, there's a big difference between talking to a website and being able to call someone up and go, hey, how does this fucking work? So check them out. Finally, if you want to support this show and all of the support that I get from you guys goes back into the show. So any money that comes in, any donations that are received... Uh, goes towards like overhead costs on like like hosting uh, graphics work like location costs all that kind of stuff um, you can go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and donate to the show directly I think I have like a five dollar donate donation button which is fantastic uh, but if you really want to do it without reaching in your pocket and you haven't signed up for audible yet if you do our special 30-day free trial um, at audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. I'll put the link under the episode, but it is audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. If you sign up, we get cash. We get like more, we get more than $5. We get some cash. And then even if you end up canceling, we still get paid. So go do it. Hang out on the website. Uh, definitely download some audiobooks. Uh, you'll be hooked anyways because the production on these books are amazing. Um, and they have uh, like, how many do they have here? I'm looking at their actual copy. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, yeah, so I've done it. It's super cool. Um, and if you haven't signed up for a trial, if you've already done this, then it won't count. But if you haven't done it yet and you want to support the show without any cost to you, go sign up at audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. Okay, guys. So uh, I think that's all I'm going to put you through before we get to the show because I'm very excited about it and I think you guys are going to love it. Um, so hang out and we'll get this thing started. Love you guys. Hello and welcome to the new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Pecci, and we're doing a special episode this week. 
Uh, I am out here in San Francisco, hanging out in North Beach with uh, three of my good buddies from Puget Systems. Uh, we're out here doing some promotions for these guys, uh, hanging out in San Fran. Uh, Gina will be joining us shortly after her trip to Alcatraz and her nerd session through the aquarium. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I would like my current guests to introduce themselves. But before that, if you're listening, we are recording this for the first time in a bar on a bar safari of sorts tonight. Uh, maybe we'll continue beyond this place. It's an experiment, but let's see how it works out. So. Thanks for listening, everybody. And if uh, you want to join us completely, I would say pour yourself a glass of bourbon in some ice and sit back, relax, and enjoy the new episode of In Love With The Process. So introduce yourselves one at a time. Uh, I am Eric Brown, and I am the marketing manager at Puget Systems. Uh, but most importantly is I am drinking Basil Hayden right now, <laughs> which could not go better with the music selection happening at this bar. Matt Locke, I'm a just a bit hardware analyst at Future Systems, and uh, yeah, drinking the exact same thing as Eric because I apparently don't have a unique personality. And I just have to copy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Chris Shreve, and I'm a filmmaker that does all of Future Systems marketing materials and other video, media, digital stuff they need. That sounded like here. bullshit. Yeah. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, Chris? I am drinking some bullet. You and me on both. Rocks. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, Cheers. Throw me those headsets because I'll listen to it as we go. Which is uh. So you've never done this before? In a bar? No, this is the first time. Okay. Left is the one with the controls. Left is this one. Okay, guys. So uh, we're gonna let the music play. What is the name of the place that we're in right now? We are at Twelve Adler. 12 Adler is the name of the bar. 12 Adler, it's got a plaque out front. It is a legendary North Beach bar. Built in 1855, 12 Adler has had many incarnations. It's been a Chinese temple, a prohibition speakeasy, Norwegian fisherman's club, and later in the 50s, a lesbian bar operated by the first known lesbian to legally own a bar in San Francisco, Tommy Bassett. There you go. In 1968, Spec Simmons opened the eclectic Spec's 12 Adler Museum Cafe, family-owned union bar that quickly became an epicenter of creative culture, haven for artists, writers, strippers, longshoremen, as well as white-collar workers in North Beach. Eat your heart out, NPR. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I can think. <laughs> this place is pretty rad. We actually... We're uh, starting our trip today trying to get into a bunch of speakeasies. San Francisco has a lot of exclusive speakeasies, um, and it's been really difficult to get into them today. This was we're 0 for 3, or 1 for 3, I guess now we're, I guess it's not really a speakeasy. This isn't really a speakeasy. Yeah, this wasn't a speakeasy, yeah. But one of the rules of doing bar safari is being flexible, and as flexible as possible. And uh, we just go into the places that look cool. And this place definitely looks cool. I love I was, it. I was definitely a little skeptical as we started to walk down the alley. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, how you're uh, supposed to do it, man. Yeah, next thing you know, there's this dark little door on the left, and here we are. Yeah. 
Um, so bear with the audio quality just because we're doing this in a bar. Um, which one of these controls is the top, is the top guy? There we go. Just get that guy down just a little bit. There we go. Um, but I think it's cool. It's worth the experience. So, uh, exactly, exactly. So I don't want to, I really don't, we talk about Puget all the time. I don't want to get into that shit. No, I think no, we should just talk about traveling. And then we've traveled a bunch at this point. Like we've been out to Vegas together. We were in Nashville together. Um, I feel like we're travel drinking buddies at this point, <laughs> which is super cool. I mean, there's really not a better kind of buddy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> at least in my eyes, there really isn't. <laughs> so, let's just talk about. Let's talk about. Uh, what do you guys think of San? Is this this isn't your first time in San Francisco, right? Definitely, we're not going to the zoo together. <laughs> I mean, some of us are. I mean, maybe she. Yeah, right, Gina. Gina's going to take care of all the zoo and aquarium and Alcatraz tours that we don't need to do. So it's going to be, it's going to be fine. Um, where did we end? I, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Where did we go last night? Uh, so last night was the cozy car. Cozy car. Bye. Oh. <laughs> Recommendation of yours truly. That's there. right. <laughs> That's right. We did the. There's this bar out here called the Cozy Car, and I haven't been there in years. And I think I might have talked about it on a previous episode. Uh, but me and Jarvis and Nick, when we were doing the, um, and he, Tony was with us too. When we were doing the uh, uh, Kill Switch Engage Always video, found this bar. <laughs> Best way to describe it is converted vans made into tables uh, 80s sitcom shows intercut with pornography and the entire place is laminated in 90s playboy pinup uh, covers uh, the place is fantastic <laughs> and their sign is a light bright oh right so, yeah, oh, yeah. Light bright. <laughs> I feel like sets the scene from before like you even want feet away you can't even see it yeah well, look, how is this relevant to the show? Okay. When you're a filmmaker and you get to that point where people start to hire you, you get to travel a lot. And one of the things that I like to do when I travel is work for a few days and then allow for a few days afterwards so that you can actually love and respect the city that you go into. And one of my favorite ways of doing that is doing what I like to call a bar safari. And the rules of Bar Safari are pretty simple. What I do is I make a list ahead of time, or I'll have an assistant make a list if I'm too busy, of like the shittiest bar in town and some of the interesting places to go. You make a list, you put that list together, and then what you do is you go in, talk to the bartender at the first bar, and have them give you a list. And if their list sounds good, you throw out your first list and you continue on. That is the best way to learn about the city. If you do it early in the week, because we're here, what day is today? Wednesday. 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 Wednesday is a good day because we're getting into, in theory, we'd be getting into places without a problem. Except San Francisco seems to have a whole lot of private party reservations for this stuff. Which, this is the first city I've had to deal with that at, which is fascinating. Um, so I highly suggest it. If you travel for work, don't just go and work. Go and enjoy the city. Because um, I, I know it's one thing that a lot of uh, traveling band members will tell you. 
even though you travel the world in a band or even though you travel the world as a filmmaker if you're just playing by the schedule you're barely seeing it most of the time you're just pulling your camera out of a bag exactly. yeah, you don't, don't want to see the world through a windshield exactly so try to plan that time and go out and have a bar safari like we're having right now and it's so torturous. I hope it is incredibly torturous for our listeners not to see the incredibly cool, dark, and seedy place that we're having drinks in right now. Because it's awesome. <laughs> so, you guys do a lot of traveling for conventions and stuff, right? Sorry, what was it? Mm. I'm sorry, I'm swallowing my bourbon. <laughs> you guys do a lot of traveling for conventions and shows and stuff, right? We do, yeah. A lot of them are at the same places. But that's uh yeah, I mean that's kind of allowed us to then explore those places to yeah. a little deeper level than we normally would. Right. You know? In Vegas we're not just gonna stay on the strip. We're gonna go off to the Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're not like, gonna be like Mike. I remember when we were in Vegas last time, we like got in the cab and said we wanna to go to this place and they said no. <laughs> that was, yeah. The Uber driver literally said I'm not gonna take you there. <laughs> What was that place? I can't remember. That that you asked for? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the name. Do you want that verbatim right now? Yeah. (laughs) You you legitimately asked for the darkest, seediest strip club in Vegas, (laughs) and he said, "No, I'm not going to take you there." (laughs) That is a perfect place to start. Perfect place to start. Because if they're telling you no, that's where you want to end up. True. <laughs> I mean, I think, I feel like the more traveling that I do now in the United States, the more sort of homogenized that this country is becoming, where you have these big chains sort of showing up, buying out spots. There is what I like to call the uh, condominium uh, bars that are underneath, and it just feel really fucking boring. Um, what do you guys, what is your favorite spot that you guys have traveled to for work? Yeah, let's hit the hard, the hard question. Wow, favorite spot. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Boston, that was, a, that was a blast. You're not just saying that because no, no. Boston. No, no, I mean, some of, that, <laughs> some of that was because we had a local person who knew all those cool places. Sure. Um, so I'm sure there's like, we can. Well, I'm, we, I'm tempted to say Nashville, actually. Nashville? Nashville You're, might have been one of my favorite spots. It's it, it's hard to balance because, like, with Nashville, there was such a, like, maybe this isn't the right word, but, like, the weird dichotomy of, like, you have all of the people that are brought out there as, like, basically the people that are trying to go to the East Coast, Las Vegas, in a way. True, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but then there's also the other side of it where once you actually do find the places like where we're sitting right now, that it is very much like this, just, I don't know, you're like, you're sitting next to just, for lack of better words again, like the salt of the earth, I guess. Like, it's, <laughs> plus it was just a very unique experience out there. I'm a sucker for live music, so when you can just go from one bar to another and every single one of those has live music. Oh, right. Well, well, and there was the one bar that was like astroturfed floor and like oh, plastic the, rocking chairs. It, it was a trailer, the trailer bar. Trailer yeah. bar, yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite bar while we were there? That's really tough. 
there were some, I mean there were some bars where the, I mean it was four stories and every floor of that building had live music going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Honky Tonk Central I think is what it was called. Yeah. Uh, and then there was this all there was this other karaoke bar that we ended up actually this this was great. Uh, there was this karaoke bar that we ended up at the very end of a night, and we get there and it, I mean everything seemed pretty normal. Uh, and then by the end of the night, once they actually started shutting down the bar and everything, uh, the the karaoke ended and then they did last call. And we all finished our drinks, and next thing you know, they wheel out a flagpole. <laughs> what? <laughs> they literally wheel out an American flag and request that everyone stand up. Forcefully with their hand request, over I exactly. Would say. <laughs> yeah, forcefully request that you stand up, put your hand over your heart, take your hat off, and I think it was the national anthem yeah. that we all sang along Sing inside song. this Nashville karaoke bar. I think that was before I showed up. <laughs> 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 Holy shit, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's a different world down there sometimes. Nashville was weird. Like, I have mixed feelings about Nashville, actually, because I went expecting Nashville. I don't know. You know what it was is that when I went, there was a whole lot. I wasn't wasn't prepared for the Vegas element. Exactly. That was in Nashville. And I remember I was sitting in a bar, and I, I don't know if I was with you guys or if I was with Gina. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, there are so many women in this bar. Like, it was just loaded with women. And I, I turned to the bartender, and I'm like, dude, the ratio out here is ridiculous. And he goes, bachelorette parties. Yeah. Huh. So there was actually, there was one night where we went up, I can't remember the name of the bar, but the, the bar actually had like four or five stories. And at the very top was like this rooftop, like almost a rooftop club. Yeah, and we were looking out. Uh, we were looking out over the edge of the roof, and we were uh, watching kind of the hustle and bustle down there on that main drag there in Nashville. Yeah, and it basically looked like the Strip in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there's all these people flooding up and down, and we started counting the number of bachelorette parties we saw out there. And I stopped counting at twelve. Dude, it's insane. And this is in the span of maybe five minutes of looking out over the edge. Like, well, the guy gave me some sort of statistic, and I'm gonna fuck it up, but he was like. Over the course of a week, there's like a thousand bachelorette parties that go through there. It's insane. It's insanity. And so, being on the main strips at least, and I get why you dig it, because there's a lot of live music, there's a lot of that stuff. But, uh, you know, being me where I like to go into like weird, crazy, sort of dark little spots, it was too Vegas-y for me. Although, it definitely was. No question. When we went to... uh, Remember that bar we went to that was like that converted house that had the backyard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was great. That was a cool spot. Like in that area, that started to get really cool. Oh, was that in Nashville? Or was that yeah. in Boston? No, that was Nashville. That was Nashville, Nashville actually, yeah. yeah. Man, it changes so much once you get outside of the, like... Exactly, once you get out of the strip. strip. Of, yeah. yeah, Nashville. Because I had a friend out there, uh, my friend Alex, who lived out there, and I was asking her about local spots because I wanted to get away from those bars that had like the Bud Light fucking signs outside yeah. and like get into like the offbeat sort of weird spots. I'm going to fuck up what neighborhood it was in. But uh, it was like an old house. It was like an old colonial house that was converted. And they rebuilt the backyard to be a bar. And then the living room had like those stained glass windows behind the bar. It was really cool. It was a really cool feel in there. And I love that, yeah, they even, I think it was in the backyard, they even had a whole other, like, bar, like, exactly. bar circus out there as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That place yeah. is really rad. So, Nashville's yours? Mm. 
I'm starting to backtrack. No, don't. Saying. You don't have to backtrack. <laughs> yeah. Just no, no, because the more the more I think about it, uh, it was actually right when I started at Puget. Uh, it was maybe within six six to twelve months or something uh, that I went out to Austin. And now that I think about it, Austin, that that might have been one of my favorite spots actually, because we, I mean, that's when we were going around and we were finding. I mean, one of the places that we went to was literally called the Hole in the Wall. Yeah. Um, and they had like this uh, bluegrass band there that was playing, Ugh. and we just sat there like the entire night just listening to this bluegrass band from I think I think they were from Kentucky actually. No shit. Yeah, yeah, and they actually they drove out there or something. No shit. Yeah, yeah. And so actually thinking back on it, that that might be one of my favorite spots. <laughs> yeah, Austin's amazing, man. I went out for the first time last. Was it last year? Maybe it was last year. I went to Austin. It was phenomenal. And like uh, that whole neighborhood that was converted. So it was like, there's a whole street that used to be like little ranch houses. They converted them all into bars and venues. Did you get out there? Uh, I don't think so, actually. Dude. We're going to be there next month, so. We will. There's a whole, I'm going to fuck it up, but I'm not going to remember what it is. And I could probably look it up right now, but there's a whole strip where it's old little ranch houses that were converted into bars. Are you, are you talking about right off the river? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, because I, I asked because actually one of my favorite places while we were there in Austin was uh, we, we got dropped off at a wrong location. The Uber driver dropped us off in the wrong place and it looked like we were just in the middle of a neighborhood or something. Except we got and we start hearing music coming from one of the houses. And so we start walk, wandering over that direction, and it turns out there's actually, like, it was basically a speakeasy in this house. Oh, no shit. And so the entire opening of the, uh, like, the main floor of this house, because it's a three-story house, uh, the entire opening of the, the main floor was, to your right, there was this long bar, and to your left was this, like, almost weird kind of diner seating is going to sound bad but it's not not like that it was like this just it was just this very open seating and there was this jazz band playing and it was not just any jazz band that like I, at least that I have ever heard because this guy's voice just like cuts straight to my soul <laughs> uh, I think at one point he was singing like somewhere over the rainbow or something like that it just like it, I felt it on a spiritual level you know uh, but no that was actually one of my favorite places because I, all I did was order like a Jameson at this place Jameson on the Rocks and it was the stupidest thing ever because it, that's a drink that should not be that great but it was just part of the, like the ambiance and everything and he gets this like square cube of ice and he starts shaving it up, and he spends like five minutes shaving this damn cube, cube ice into it, into a circle. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Into it, into this sphere, and then pours Jameson over it. And somehow it was the best Jameson that I've ever had, actually. Dude, it's all about atmosphere. Yeah, atmosphere is all of it, man. And I don't know if that was the area that we were at, but it could have been. Our area was literally a block, at least a block of houses that were converted into live venues. And I think they converted it because South by Southwest goes down there and it becomes a big deal. But uh, <laughs> there was a beer garden, there's a German beer garden that has like over 50 different sausages or something, and I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> the place is so good, man. Like, Austin is a wonderful spot to go. And it, it also still has like its strip, basically. There's like. Yeah, downtown in Austin where it feels kind of trashy, but you go deeper past every city now. It's like you want to get past the tourism, you want to get past the fucking the millennial condominium units, and you want to get a little bit deeper into those spots that are making really good food. Like last night, we went to uh, 
my favorite top 10, one of the top 10 best places to eat in the U.S. That might have broken my top 10 too, actually. Best places to eat in the U.S. It's a spot called Tommy's Joint um, out here in San Francisco. It's like a heartbeat away from Japantown. And it's this wonderful spot that's like split in half. One side is an old bar that Metallica used to drink at, according to the bar. And then on the other side is this rotisserie meat, slow-cooked meat kind of spot. And their food is just fit. It's like old school. I haven't been out here in San Francisco in eight years, and it's the same fucking plate that I had eight years ago. I will fly cross-country. Just, just plus one Guy Fieri poster. <laughs> That's new. That's a fucking new poster. He did not pick it because of Guy fucking Fieri. <laughs> You just knew he was going to take you to Flavortown. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, do me a favor. Tell, text Gina what, where we're at right now. I can't do two things at the same time. I gotcha. It's, it's always the whiskey. Whiskey bars. Like, uh, probably the place we've gone to the most on any trips is Seven Grand and uh, LA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've only been to LA like twice. But we've been to that Seven Grand probably five times. Well, I, I mean... At least in the past year, I've probably yeah. been to LA four or five times, oh, which means I've been to Seven Grand probably twice that night. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like probably top five of my favorite bars now. No kidding. Um, it's just got this huge wall of whiskey, uh, and then they always have a jazz band playing. But they do they kind of mix it up. So like there was one time I went there and the jazz band was playing kind of like a New Orleans style jazz. Uh, there was another the time, time where yeah, first time was at New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was another time where they were playing just kind of like this the typical standard jazz that you would kind of expect, and then there was another time where they were playing jazz. It was like jazz style of like modern tunes and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they got pool tables and like a whole cigar smoking section. They sell cigars there. No shit. Um, I mean, they had easily. I think the first time I went there was with you. Yeah. Yeah. And they had easily over like 200 whiskey. I was gonna say about 200. Yeah. 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 It, you won't like it if you don't like whiskey, but sure. if you do, it's the spot to go. They also filmed an episode of The Office there. <laughs> yeah, we realized that after. <laughs> <laughs> you nerds. <laughs> well, it was because I was watching The Office and I recognized the wallpaper. <laughs> and turns out it was right. It's well, good, though. Speaking of bars that were filmed, last time I went, we went and stayed right outside of uh, uh, Silver Lake. We were in like Los Feliz, which is right in sort of like this... I don't want to say it's kind of an upcoming hipstery area, but uh, I went to the Dresden. I don't know if you guys remember Swingers. You guys remember Swingers? That's where they go to eat in the Dresden, and there's the old lady playing the drums and the guy on the piano. That place is so cool, dude. Um, it's such a, it's such a, it's a piece at a time. I don't know when the place was built. I don't know if it was built in the, the 70s or earlier than the 70s. But it hasn't changed. It's super dark lit. You can still go in and see the two old folks playing. They play every night. <laughs> uh, and I ended up in there early because I was meeting some people and then heading out. It was right down the street from where my Airbnb was. And I'm like, I gotta go to the Dresden. I gotta check this out. And it was the coolest spot. Dimly lit. Not as dark as New York. New York is known for their dark bars. We go in and it's slip by a candle, like one fucking candle. Nice little bar. Uh, this place was really great. And one of the things I like about L.A. is that a lot of the locals like to talk. So I actually sat down 
hung out with this dude who it's like I don't know if you guys feel the same way but sometimes it's really awkward <laughs> to start a, a conversation with a stranger and so like how do you feel about it? 100% I'm terrible <laughs> and I can't talk to them. you guys have trouble talking to strangers? I, I mean, I'm very much an extrovert yeah and it's still awkward yeah, yeah. to start conversations with people I'm an introvert so that just yeah. uh, <laughs> It's, down, it's game over. You guys are missing out. You're missing out, man. Because if you can somehow, if you're sitting at a bar and it's early, so it's like 5 o'clock, 5.30. If you're sitting at a bar with a bunch of strangers and these guys are just hanging out, guys, women, whoever, hanging out. If you could figure out how to crack it, the conversations that I have at bars with strangers are the best. And this guy was that guy we were talking about before we started recording. Him and I were watching TV, and we're both awkwardly sitting next to each other, drinking a whiskey or whatever we're drinking. And we watch this TV, and this is really off-color commercial that comes on up for a lawyer. And then in the commercial itself, it shows a guy taking a shower, and he drops the soap, and he has this look on his face like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it, it cut to something ridiculous like, don't go to prison. Call this lawyer. Oh, shit. Dude, it was so off-color. I started laughing hysterically out loud because of how ridiculous this ad was, and the guy was laughing next to me, and that's all you need. You just turn, and you're like, how ridiculous is this? Boom. Hi. How's it going? I'm Mike. What's going on? I'm bump. So then we start talking. It turns out that this guy designs lights, and not like movie lights or anything in the industry. He actually just designs lighting installations in restaurants and bars and restaurants and like that. Restaurants and restaurants and restaurants. I say that a hundred times. That's the... As we continue this podcast to drink more bourbon, I'm going to get more sloppy. So, <laughs> so bear with it. Uh, it's so... Uh, yeah, yeah. You, want, you buy... Are we doing a round? Yeah, I'll do another round. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're doing <laughs> Come on, for sure. Right. I got to take it easy. I'm a lighter. I know I'm a <laughs> It's almost on every trip. I think, okay, how much does Eric drink? As long as I'm drinking half as much as Eric. So, so yeah, so I talk to this guy and he's talking about lights. And I love lighting. I'm a huge fan of like how the light splashes over things. I talk about how light is like a fluid. I get real nerdy about it. He gets even nerdier about how lights work, how he likes to, to figure out like the atmosphere of space. And so we start talking about lights. It's a super cool conversation. And then he lets it slip, because this was a couple months ago. One of his houses burned down in one of the fires, one of the California fires, which was such an interesting conversation to have with him, because I can't even imagine, being from the East Coast, I can't even imagine what it's like to have a fucking roaring flame, like a wall of flame, that firefighters, no one can hold off, is just coming for your house. I can't even... And you guys you guys don't have fires up where you guys are, right? No, really, yeah. we are not in Seattle. No, we, it's too wet. Yeah, we don't get the fires directly, but we get the effects of them. Oh, right, you guys deal yeah. with all the smoke. Yeah, eastern know. Washington gets fires, and so sometimes we get smoke from there, but California, Vancouver, and even sometimes China will send smoke our way. And you were we'll saying just, that, earth, too? Yeah. China smoke yeah. is because, I mean, what's going to stop it going across the ocean? There's just water, and it'll just float right across the top, and then the first piece of land it hits is western Washington. Yep. <laughs> Weird. Don't have to pay for the tariffs on that, though. <laughs> Free imports. What do we got? Thank you. 
Uh, more basil. Ooh. Basil. It's pretty good. I like it. Oof. Never had it before. What is this? Basil Hayden. It smells nice. Oh. All right, we gonna we gonna toast this. Of course. All right, guys. Round two. There it is. Mm. It reminds me though of. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember that bar in uh, New York? The place where we go in, we ask like, "Oh, what kind of beer do you have?" The bartender says, oh. "Light and dark." Oh, I know this place. McSorley's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How was your experience? Uh, so that was that was one of my favorite bars in New York, actually. Uh, yeah, that's true. You there. I don't know, for some reason, I just like automatically think that you were there for that. But um, but no, yeah, we uh, it was. Uh, Chris Stevens was there with us, and I, I just remember the exchange between him and the bartender. Because neither one of them were going like, to let any shit go. They right? were both like way too stubborn and over the top, and so they just kept going back and forth, just like yelling at each other. And then finally at the end, they both just kind of looked at each other and just knew that neither one of them like gave a shit, and so they just kind of walked the other direction. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> It was just, yeah, they just kind of clashed and then went their separate ways, and that was pretty much it. But that's the place um, you get, like, three or four, like, mugs at a time. Yeah, because they're, like, half mugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're kind of small. But, yeah, it's just light or dark. Yep. And, like, the food was, like, a, like, saltine crackers and cheese platter. Well, that was their, uh, that was their troll yeah. uh, cheese plate, food. basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they have to serve food or whatever, and then, like, and then there was also, apparently, people kept requesting cheese plates or something, and they kept basically saying, fuck you, and, uh, and then finally they put a cheese plate on the menu that was just saltine crackers and then a big, huge brick of, like, cheddar cheese. <laughs> that was their cheese plate. <laughs> So that's funny that you bring up McSorley's. I don't know if I ever told you guys this story, but I'll do it again because most people haven't heard it. The origin of the bar safari started, and McSorley's was one of the spots that I went. No way. So years ago, years ago, uh, me and Tony, uh, who has been, was my assistant for years, but still one of my good friends, uh, I was selling my Grindhouse DVDs at the time. I had like a whole surplus of these Grindhouse DVDs that I made. And uh, one of the ways to sell it is to go to conventions. So I had booked like a comic book convention. And I couldn't really afford any of the shit that I needed. I couldn't afford help. I couldn't afford any of the background stuff. I went to like BJ's, bought a bunch of fucking flat screen TVs on a credit card and returned them afterwards. (laughs) So I, I built a backdrop out of flat screen TVs to sell this. And I said to Tony, I said to him, look, I got to do this convention for two days. I can't afford to pay you, but I'll make a deal with you. If you come and you work, all of the money that we make minus taxes, I will spend on our first bar safari. And he was like, I'm in. So we went and peddled off these DVDs and hoodies. And we hustled, and we made about thirty-five hundred dollars. Thirty-five hundred bucks. Wow! And afterwards, I had to swallow what I said, and I was like, <laughs> "All right, let's do it. We're gonna do a bar safari." So we go to Manhattan, and this was years ago. We go to Manhattan, book a a, a nice hotel because I spent thirty-five hundred bucks. So I book a nice hotel down at uh, Lower East Side, and we start our first bar safari. And I had never been 
to the Lower East Side at this point. I'd only been like Midtown, Uppertown. When I was staying there, I was in like Union Square. I had never been down south. And so we hooked up with Ara, who is the actor in 12 Cam, and we met in a bar. And I said, here are the rules. We made the rules up at this moment. Bar Safari rules. And we're breaking them tonight. Bar Safari rules. One drink per bar, one drink or one food item per bar. Make our list, talk to the bartender. If he gives us a list, we go from there. So we find the first spot and we're sitting at the bar talk to the bartender he gives us a list of places that we're like oh cool we'll alter our trajectory do that Ara shows up to meet us and so we're explaining the rules to him and we're at this bar we're like here are the rules there's a guy sitting at the end of the bar shady dude in like a, a blazer and a fedora He's got this hat that hangs real low over his eyes. <laughs> the low fedora. Ex- that was the red flag. <laughs> exactly. And he turns. He turns to us super slow. And he's got this Tom Waits voice. And he goes, you boys, up for an adventure? <laughs> and of course. You're not going to say no. <laughs> of course I go, yes. And he proceeds to give us his list of bars. And on his list is McSorley's. So we take his list, say thank you very much, and continue on our adventure. We end up going to McSorley's. We find like speakeasies. We found like the Blind Barber right when it opened. We were walking through a residential neighborhood and having some sort of existential argument over fucking like Die Hard or some bullshit that we were that we were talking about. And we're walking through this residential neighborhood. We walk past this barbershop that has no lights on. And I hear this bass sound. And there's just a candle in the window of this barbershop. And I remember we're in the middle of an argument. I stop in the middle of the street. And I turn and I look at this place. And I go, Tony, that's not a barbershop. And he's like, what? And I was like, let's just go in. And we walk the balls on us. <laughs> just walk into this place because it wasn't open yet. Walk in through this closed barbershop and there's this big steel door in the back that we open it's a whole speakeasy which is super cool so we go there we go to McSorley's and we have the same experience light or dark and watching him wash the glasses blew my mind (laughs) because he had like different tubs along the bar which was like soapy Less soapy. Less soapy. Washing was very much a loose term there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, cool, we're going to have diarrhea in about 20 minutes. (laughs) So we we go to these bars. Then we hit this, like, really cool underground, dark. What I love about New York. Really dark, like, in the basement of some place. And sitting at the bar is the dude with the fedora. Same dude. Same dude. <laughs> Sitting there at the bar. And he turns to us and he goes, I've been waiting for you boys. <laughs> and we're like, oh shit, really? And he's like, I'd like to join you on your adventure. And we were like, yes, please. <laughs> it's like that was a test or something to see if yeah, they can make it to, make it to that point. <laughs> if they can get here, yeah. I will take them along with me for the rest of the journey. <laughs> but if you know any movie with Tom Waits, it's like, he's the devil. Like, there hits a point where we're like, 100%. we're going to go on wherever the devil wants to take us. And I remember, it because with bar safaris, what happens is you hit, I've hit like 14 bars in a night. And it's a drink per bar. <laughs> so you hit bar five, and then like 
might as well just be stepping in the fucking DeLorean and leaving a fucking flamethrower <laughs> behind you. Because shit starts to blur. And I remember, like, weird flashes of, of, of Manhattan blacking out, waking up. It was like, right around, like, Halloween. It was, like, October. And I wake up in this bar, tiny bar. I don't know what the fuck the bar is called. And I wake up staring at this bowl of goldfish. <laughs> Which is a big part. I did a whole episode about goldfish. I'm staring at this bowl of goldfish, and I go to eat it. And in front of me, projected on the wall, is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's the end where the guy's screaming and swinging the chainsaw over his head. It was the coolest night ever, dude. That was the start of Bar Safaris. And this was probably six years, seven years ago, six years, seven years ago. Wow, I do not know the origin story. Yeah, that's how it I started. Mean, I use bar safari now all the time. Well, not all the time. I don't get out enough for all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but like whenever we're like, yeah, we're out somewhere I'm not familiar with. Yeah, you ask the bartender. Yep. You go wherever they say. Yep. And it's such a rare thing right now because everybody is so... I feel like everybody's world is so very tight because of social media and, and all these sort of escapisms where most people aren't looking further than three feet in front of them. Or, I mean, they're just going on Yelp and just looking up exactly. where to go. Exactly. The bartenders, are, they're always going to know better. Because they all know each other. Yeah. And if they're in a town, they all know, the, all bartenders know each other. They all know where they drink and what they do. Last time we were in Vegas, was I with you guys? I, I don't know if you guys were with us, but I did the whole local bit, Vegas bar run. Because I hate Vegas. I fucking hate Vegas. Especially now. Vegas, to me, has become like a giant mall. Like, you get down the strip and there's like a giant fucking CVS on Vegas. And you're like, well, there's kids everywhere. Uh, uh, Vegas is not what what Vegas likes to promote itself as, no. which is like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Vegas is you lose a bit of money, you go to CVS, you buy some fucking drugs over the counter, and then you go back to your room and you pass out. <laughs> That's kind of what Vegas is. Yeah. I mean, they're in a tough spot, like, to give them some credit. Like, a lot of people are, are not gambling now, so they have to try to make money in other places. So to give them some credit? Is. You mean a lot of people have smartened up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a marketing remember? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> and th- I mean, th- it's not owned by gangsters anymore. It's all corporate. It's all very corporatized. Not like I want to go to a place that's owned by gangsters, but like that whole persona. Like if you think you're going to go to Vegas and get the whole Frank Sinatra fucking hangover experience, you know, dude, you might as well just go to your mall and your local town at this point. So when I went, I was like, I'm determined because there are people that live in this city that go out drinking. Where do they go drinking? Where are the local spots in the city? And we found a couple. Like there was this one place we went called the the Hard Hat Saloon, which was awesome. <laughs> like like it was like a red neon sign outside that said Hard Hat Saloon, which could either be one of two things. One, there's a lot of crane operators yeah, in that town putting workers. up like <laughs> putting up new condominiums, and maybe they had to put up a thing. Two. There's a lot of gentlemen that like to hang out with other gentlemen, and that could be one of those places that we want to go and hang out and see what's going on. Um, it turned out to be just a local bar. You go in. It's, it has one of my favorite... <coughs> it has one of my favorite details for uh, a drinker's bar, where the bar itself has the cushion on it. <laughs> yeah, you've never seen this? It basically has like a leather upholstered cushion on the edge of it. Oh, sure. So that when you do the whole 
I'm going to take a nap for a bit. It's, it's cool to take a nap on it. <laughs> it's in Vegas, so it still has, like, embedded in the bar, like, slot machines, that whole thing. But it's, like, sad slot machines that are run by people that live in Vegas <laughs> that are, like, trying to, like, supplement income. So it's, like, one of those <laughs> slot machines. Um, but the place was empty. It was, like, a Tuesday. And there was this old guy in the kitchen, this old, like, deep-voiced chef in the kitchen who made tacos. He's like, you guys want some tacos? And we are like, yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, he made the best tacos. And we hung out with a bartender who was more than happy to talk about how much he loved living in Vegas. I want a great local... I wish I had the podcast gear because it would have been a great <laughs> podcast episode. And he gave us a list. And we began our local Vegas local <laughs> bar safari. Wait, so what's your favorite place to travel? Okay, so that's tough. I've done you a lot of travel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> favorite? Well, well really, Eric. Yeah, yeah, I was about to yeah, say, yeah, you guys yeah. haven't spoke up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, Boston. Boston was good. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like, and again, most of it was because Mike. Like, you take to this like grilled cheese place, <laughs> and then suddenly we're walking through the freezer. Into yeah, an arcade. Yeah, we're in a barcade. Yeah, yeah. so we're at uh, Roxy's. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the place is really cool. Um, favorite place? It's tough. All right, so I've been. I went on a great one in Chicago. Chicago's fantastic. Not my favorite, but Chicago is fantastic. I've never been. I really, really want to get Chicago is like fantastic for food. If you're into sausages, if you're into. Polish food. There's like a Polish section that is phenomenal. Beers, fantastic. Uh, the people, fantastic. Uh, and there's room to breathe for how big the city is too, compared to sure. like New York. It's for sure. Chicago's spread out. All the so, yeah. Yeah, in Chicago, you feel like you can because of go the anywhere. fires in Chicago. And a lot of people forget this. Most of Chicago burned down. So most of the structures in Chicago aren't wood. Most of the structures are like fire retardant materials. When we went, we went to this place called the Green Door, I think is what it was called. And I went with my brother. And uh, this spot is one of the last wood structures still standing in Chicago. And it's it's falling apart where all the doorways are like Tim Burton doorways. Because it's like the whole place is leaning. And we went in on like a Monday or Tuesday. My brother and I did a bar safari. So it was a Monday or Tuesday. And the woman was like, uh, the bartender was like, hey, do you guys want to see our speakeasy? And I was like, whoa, because Chicago is like the old speakeasies now are different than what speakeasies used to be. Because that's like prohibition time, not allowed to have alcohol. Let's put a fucking secret door in this grocery store and then we'll go in there and get hammered. You know what I mean? Uh, this was an original speakeasy and she reached behind the bar pulled like a dusty key off the shelf and took us downstairs into an original speakeasy there was like a layer of dust on the floor of this place with like subtle footprints through it so I was like this is legit legit green door I think that's what the place is called Chicago Um, Chicago's not my favorite though New York is really amazing. I've done three in New York. New York is high on the list. New York's not my favorite. I would say we've done Nashville. We've done Austin. 
I've done Rome. Um, let's leave. Let's just talk U.S. U.S. Let's you want to just do U.S.? <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I've done Madison, Wisconsin, which is surprisingly awesome. College town. Pretty awesome. Um, favorite? Favorite place? Surprisingly favorite place? Detroit. Detroit. Detroit is like, and we went a few years ago, and I, I'm going to remember half of it because I was black on time. <laughs> but Detroit was at its point where you drive down a street in a neighborhood, and one side of that street was like perfect sort of middle class residential, other side of that street, fucking wasteland. Like Mad Max and his dog are just running around on the other side of that street, which is wild. And this is right when all the sort of the police forces and the fire forces were giving up on neighborhoods. So these neighborhoods started to set up their own little places. So you'd have bars and houses. You'd have like, like, uh, not, uh, what do they call it? Bordellos and houses. You'd have like all this weird stuff happening in Detroit and we were there for a gig um, and Gina's part of Gina's family is from Detroit and her dad is a really cool dude who wanted to hang out with us he couldn't and so he was like I'll hire you guys a car to drive through Detroit and he hired us this big car and I was like oh my god what a bunch of assholes we're, we're driving through a spot that's dealing with poverty dealing with all this sort of stuff it's like I felt really shitty about it for about a half second and then I was like, well, we have a free ride to do a bar safari wherever we want to go. So we went deep into Detroit, found like this old Irish in a like burnt out neighborhood, old Irish bar, went into the bar and got a list written on a napkin of places to go. And it was fucking awesome. Detroit is the place to go and drink. That place is so fucking cool, dude. And everybody's like, it's scary, you know, it's not. And, and now it's been a few years now the, that the hipster element has sort of come in and they're sort of rejuvenating it. You get a lot of really good food places, uh, a lot of really good craft materials. They have like a, an amazing uh, open air market. I wish, because we stayed in a hotel, I want to go there and actually stay in a spot that I can cook, I get an Airbnb. Because their marketplace was just fun, fucking phenomenal. Detroit is cool as shit. Yeah, it's cool as shit. New York City's great. Chicago's great. Detroit, because you wouldn't well, expect. No, that. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to knock Detroit or anything. It's just I, that surprises me that I think all places Detroit, that you I think have been. Detroit is offended by you right now. <laughs> <laughs> all of my Detroit listeners, I'll give you his email address. <laughs> Send him a bunch of middle finger pictures of the Here's my social security number. What about you, Chris? I was thinking that's a tough question. This year alone, I went on ten trips. Oh no, shit! The for work? Yeah, yeah, all for work. Yeah. And then so, what do you do for work? Tell, tell so me. I do. I'm a freelance videographer. So I work. I'm based out of Seattle and work for all kinds of tech companies up there. Puget Systems is one of my clients, and the best um, client. yeah, the yeah. best client, hands down. Yeah, we could talk about it for real when I go to the back. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but uh, yeah, so I work for all kinds of people, and uh, 
they'll either hire me in city or send me to film their own customers and, and highlight their stuff. So this year, I went all over the country. One of the most unique trips, I'd say, was probably St. Louis this year. Ooh, I haven't been to St. Louis. Yeah, I, so I, I was all alone on this trip. No one was able to join me, so I was kind of stuck in a city that I hadn't been to for three days. And it was pretty awesome. You gotta, you got, I didn't go on a bar safari, because I was all alone, so it would have been a little boring. But uh, I went out to the Merrimack Caverns, which is where uh, one of the one of the old Wild West shoot 'em up guys. I don't remember which one. One of them like Wyatt Earp or something. Uh, it might have been Wyatt Earp. One of those guys, though. They basically were hiding from the authorities in these caverns because if you just swim under the water under one of these little rock bridges, then no one can find you. <laughs> so it was it was pretty cool. Walked through these caverns and then uh, went back to the city. Kind of explored St. Louis for a couple days, went to a bunch of bars, and uh, ended up at the Hilton Rooftop Bar, which is across the street from uh, the what's their baseball team? I used St. Louis fans are going to be up. Yes, thank you. Across the street from the Cardinals, the uh, you just walk in the Hilton, take the elevator to the top, and they got an outdoor bar there, an indoor bar. It's like the same thing as the, the there's the rooftop bar in San Diego. It looks out over the Padres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And you could, I mean, you could see the stadium clearly, so there wasn't a game going on, but if there was, you could have just washed it from that rooftop. So I'm kind of surprised, so, actually, that you didn't say that the Key West trip was your that, favorite. Yeah, that was a fun one. I So I went to Florida for the first time as well this year. Ended up going from uh, Fort Myers, which is on the, the Gulf side, and we ended up flying down to Key West for dinner because the client that we were filming happened to have his own pilot's license. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he goes. Oh, it gets better. Yeah, Don't yeah. Worry. He, he 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 asked if we would rather have dinner in Fort Lauderdale or Key West, and I mean, Key West sounds pretty good. So we went to Key West for dinner, watched the sunset over the water, and then uh, I ended up flying the plane back. So <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you yeah. have your? Do you, do you know? Nope, no, no. I, yeah. What? 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 <laughs> what? That's how I felt the entire time. What? <laughs> yeah, we get back to the plane, and I was in the passenger seat, and he goes, all right, are you ready? And <laughs> I just kind of said, sure. And uh, this was a, uh, I don't remember the exact name of the plane. It was a Cirrus, like, SR-22 or something. It's, it's a pretty new prop plane that has, like, a a rocket-propelled parachute in it. So I felt safer in this thing than I felt in any kind of commercial jet because if the pilot collapses or falls asleep in the middle of the flight, you just pull the button, your parachute pops up, and you're going to float down to the water. <laughs> how did you... How do, are you were like a fucking plane nerd? Yeah. Well, I, this is my first time in a tiny plane. I was just sitting in the front seat. And, so, uh, like, you're just Googling the specs on this thing? <laughs> nope. He just was very educated, and I tried to listen because when I realized that he wasn't touching that steering wheel, that it was all in my hands, literally. But did, it was. You said you landed it too, right? Uh, basically, no. not. I didn't actually touch that. Oh, that's right. You so, just you were yeah. Just so I flew from Key West all the way back to Fort Myers during the night. I'll add, and so this is a flight that goes over the ocean. So. What you don't realize if you're not flying a plane is that you can't see a horizon when it's dark out. Yeah. So you don't know which direction is up. Yeah, it's very trippy when you realize that you're actually flying at like a 20 degree offset angle and then you have to correct yourself to actually just be level with the earth. 
but what you're looking for is the shrimp boats that are down there because they have lights so that the shrimp get attracted to their pots and that's how you keep yourself level so so wait a minute wait a minute so you've never flown a plane before never have you ever been in a cockpit before never so <laughs> all this fucking knowledge yeah where is this coming from <laughs> The guy sitting next to you. Yeah, I was paying close attention to the dude that was telling me how to not kill four people. (laughs) But it was honestly probably the coolest experience I've ever had because you can feel when you have your hand on the throttle and you're controlling the direction, just the slightest twist of your wrist, you can feel the plane react to it. And when you hit turbulence, you can feel it in your arm muscles. You can feel how it kicks back at you. And so it was... I was, I'm sure, sweating the whole two hours and just like shaking from nerves. And he, (laughs) as we're approaching, it's like a 30 minute descent to get down into Fort Myers. And he tells me that there's another plane coming towards us that we're trying to fight with for landing priority. And so we're just heading straight towards each other. And as soon as we get down right by the runway, that plane beat us which means that I had to do a loop around the airport, which is terrifying because you're only moving like, it feels like 30 miles an hour through the air, close enough where you can see individual blades of grass in people's yards. <laughs> oh what did you guys cut off communication with the controller? Like, how do you get to a point where it's a game of chicken between yep, yep. two airplanes? It turns out small airplane travel is not quite as robustly controlled as commercial travel. So yeah, we just did a lap around and then he tells me to straighten it out and start going towards the, uh, towards the runway and lowering it and lowering it and lowering it. And we were, I'd say, less than 500 feet away from touching down when he finally took control back. Thank God, because... You must have been shitting yourself. I waited until we landed, but yeah. Jesus. I never successfully landed a plane in uh, flight simulator, so I don't think I would want to try doing one in real life when I've got three other people's lives on the line. But, yeah, so that was definitely a unique trip. Dude, I would have never thought. Look at AU. <laughs> Thank you. That, Thank you're, you <laughs> that you're commandeering a tiny airplane. And, and by the way, that is such like a a wealthy white guy move. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's <laughs> so like, true. He's like, let me scare the shit out of this kid. So when people are like, how did Harrison Ford ever crash into a golf course? It's like, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally, well, I didn't even realize totally when we were taking off that it was all under my control because he had his hand on the throttle. And he's just telling me to pull back with him. And he tells me to pull back more and more and more, and then eventually we're in the air. Then when we landed, he told me that he wasn't actually touching the throttle. He just had his hand near it, so I felt better about it. <laughs> so... I won't drop any names just in case the FAA yeah, no, is no, listening. Yeah. <laughs> no names. But that's crazy. And you know what? Okay, so being relevant to the show. So you're a freelancer and you do a lot of traveling. You do a lot yeah. of shooting for traveling. Um, what do you prefer? Do you prefer traveling by yourself? Or do you prefer traveling with a client? It really depends on who the client is. Good answer. Definitely. Good answer. I mean, tra- the nice thing is I'm pretty self-sufficient, so I don't have to have a team of people there to get a production done. So if it's just me and whoever the customer is that I'm going to be filming or whatever the site is, I'll be fine. Um, but 
when you're traveling with people, you always have a little more opportunity to experience something outside of your own comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, every time I travel with the Puget guys, we definitely make sure that happens. And uh, so St. Louis was a trip that I kind of had to figure out on my own, which was okay. Yeah. Florida, I was with a client and their client, so that, I was like four layers deep in people that knew the area or knew what they wanted to do. So, yeah, I don't know if I have a preference, but I think you just got to embrace wherever you are and whoever you're with. You'll have fun. I think one of the things that we have to our advantage um, when we're doing video work is that we usually are handed a handler. Like, there's usually some sort of local person that is either driving us around. And I actually prefer to travel with work more than travel with vacation because we have the handler which is such a great thing because you can just literally go where do you go what do you like to do and, and to experience because there's nothing more boring I think in the US it's it's rampant where I think that every place that you go tourist spots are all the fucking same where you can go through them and it's like ah, oh, there's the t-shirt shop there's the fucking electronic shop. You know what I mean? Like the camera There's the bubblegum. Exactly. <laughs> and you sort of go through and all the chains that have fucking strangled our country just sort of nestle themselves in that area. And, you know, depending upon where you go, they may change the name, but it's all fucking chain shit. And so you really... Our country is like one of the biggest countries on the, on the fucking planet. And so you would hope that having a passport for the U.S. means that you can travel to all these different areas and learn about the culture in that area, learn about what it is they like. And of course, we're living in a time period right now where everything's shrinking. Everybody watches fucking Netflix. Everybody has a fucking iPhone. Everybody does that kind of stuff. So for me, when I travel, I'm looking for like those little little nuggets of, of originality. And there are certain there are certain places in this country that I feel like have it more than others. Um, but the only way to get that, and that's how we came up with the bar safari. The only way to get that is that you have to break out of your shell. And you have to break away from that two foot, three foot fucking radius that we all live in. And look beyond that and go, tell me about you. And like, the key is that you have to be deliberate. Exactly. Like you can't just expect to travel out somewhere, fly out to Boston, for example. And, like just walk out there and you're gonna experience that culture that's just not how it works like you actually have to be deliberate in going out there and then actually engaging with the people in that area right saying, where the hell do I need to go if I want to experience this culture? engaging with the people yeah even in even in your hometown there are so many people that don't actually engage with individuals where if you can figure out a way to muster up the strength Matt <laughs> <laughs> and talk to individuals, you'll find these, like, if I hadn't turned my microphone to you and said, what is your favorite spot? We wouldn't have heard that fucking airplane story <laughs> that beats out every story. I might have still brought it up at some point, but... <laughs> Just to force me to tell it. <laughs> to force you to tell yeah. that story. Yeah, it's... Like I said, introvert, I'm going to keep it in until it gets forced out. <laughs> that it's like going on the description of this podcast episode. <laughs> so, I think that... The moral of this story, the reason why we're doing this podcast, 
the reason of the bar safari, the reason why I'm giving you bad audio right now, is that if you are lucky enough in our business to travel and to get paid to travel and go out and do this stuff, take full fucking advantage of it. Because what we are are storytellers. And if the only story that you're telling is based upon the world within your three foot fucking radius, you're doing an injustice to everybody that's gonna watch your shit. And if you're one of those people that is constantly looking for inspiration, looking for a spot to find good stories, I find that when I go do a fucking bar safari, or if we hang out, we drink a bunch of whiskeys together, and the fucking F-bomb comes out as much as it is right now, <laughs> I find inspiration, I find a good story, I find a good character trait, and that's how it starts. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to end this episode right now. Uh, I appreciate you guys hanging out. I hope you, the listeners are dealing with the bad audio. I'm sure I'm going to listen to this later and go, oh my god, the audio is fucking terrible. <laughs> but I'm going to release it anyways. I don't give a shit because it's worth it. You guys are getting a little glimpse of what it's like to go on a bar safari with me. And I hope that you guys all decide to do bar safaris of your own. Uh, thank you guys. Do you guys have any plugs that you want to do? No. Who are we trying to plug? Yeah, no plugs. <laughs> no plugs on this episode, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed uh, recording the show. I hope you uh, went along for the ride and um, got yourself... Uh, a little something to drink with us because uh, that's the best way to do it bar safari and and honestly I how is this show relevant we talked a little bit about it before but I'm going to reiterate it again um, if you get an opportunity to travel and you get an opportunity to go through this amazing country that we live in or even if you go uh, internationally um, there is this I hate doing what everybody signs up to do which are the, the tourist shit and every city has the same fucking spots where you go in and it's the same restaurants, it's the same electronic store, it's the same fucking t-shirt spots. They suck. You never really get an idea of what it's like to live in that city and what some of that history of that city actually does to the people that live there. Uh, and the best way to figure that stuff out, in my opinion, is to set aside some time and go on a bar safari. So... Uh, thanks for listening to the show. And uh, as always, uh, check us out on Instagram. It's in Love the Process POD. Up on there, I'm putting basically curating everything that sort of inspires me, stuff that I really dig, behind the scenes stuff, a lot of promotional shots from the actual recording of the show. Um, and that's a great spot that you can write to me directly and ask questions for the show, suggest guests. I'm open to all sorts of suggestions. This year, I'm really going to push hard. Uh, to make the show even better and I'm going to try to make it more regular as I can. Uh, as you know, I'm a working director, so sometimes I have to take some time to go and make some money, guys. Um, you can also follow me on my personal account at MikePetchy on Instagram. And there I am uh, constantly doing little contests where people can watch my films, check out 12Cam, um, and see all the other cool shit that's coming down the pipeline. I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. And please, please tell tell your friends about it. And if you are a listener of the show, be proud that you are. Grab some graphics, steal some stuff from my website, and post about it. Post that 
I proudly listen to In Love With The Process and tell people how much you like it and why you like it because uh, word of mouth really helps us out. Um, and the more people that talk about the show, uh, the more people that subscribe, the more people that follow us on Instagram, uh, the more episodes I can do. I would love to be doing this uh, almost full-time in between doing films. So the more attention you give me, the better off I'll be, guys. So, as always, thanks for listening. Love you. See you.